Hi, I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the creator and writer of the Scarlet Range comic series, Ro Lamb, alongside the comics illustrator, Kayla Rainey. And today, they're both here to promote Scarlet Ranger Inheritance Part 2, currently on Kickstarter. Welcome to the show, Kayla, and welcome back, Ro. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, outside my introduction, who is Ro Lamb and Kayla Rainey in pretty much your own words? Well, Bro, I'll let you take the lead on that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, I'm a writer, a uh, storyteller. I live in Atlanta, Georgia with my wife and four sons. And um, I just enjoy telling stories that help people connect with themselves. And I'm Kayla Rainey. I'm an illustrator, a comic artist, and a fine art painter. I am based out of Florida with my husband and our three fur children. (laughs) No human children. Um, And I'm just, I'm so lucky to be working with Ro and collaborating with him on Scarlet Ranger 2. I was a really big fan of Scarlet Ranger 1. So it's pretty cool that we've we've manifested me getting to be the artist for number two. So real stoked about that. Word. So Ro, what is Scarlet Ranger the series about for new people that may be tuning in who've never really heard of the series before and those who are who are fans of their first issue, what should they be expecting in the second one? Yeah, so, um, so Scarlet Ranger is about a young man who inherits the title of Scarlet Ranger um, from his grandfather. Um, and in doing so, he becomes like this superhero for the, for the city called, it's called Royal City. And um, in the first issue, we see um, basically his grandfather's greatest enemy break out of prison and begin to terrorize the city. And so the, the story follows Dion as he learns what it means to be the Scarlet Ranger. And ultimately, it, it's about tradition. It's about legacy. It's about, you know, learning how to honor um, the the people, the trailblazers that came before you while also learning how to create your own path. Um, And so that's sort of what we begin in the first issue. And the second issue picks up right where we left off um, in the first issue. And we just begin to see more uh, mystery, um, certain things that Dion believed about his family, he begins to realize they may not all be true. And so, you know, there's action, there's some mystery, there's, you know, some more sci-fi elements. And, you know, I think it's, it's a very fun story. And we have Kayla. On the first issue, we had Coy Carrion do the art. In this issue, we have Kayla Rainey. And Kayla is absolutely amazing. And she's brought so much um, heart, you know, to the story. And so I'm just excited to get the book into everybody's hands. Well, can you both, I guess, elaborate a little bit more on your creative process as individuals? So Kayla, as you an illustrator, and Ro, as you a writer, and then how you were able to integrate them together and collaborate with one another on this uh, second issue of Scarlet Ranger? Yeah, go ahead, Kayla. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, yeah. me? I didn't write it. (laughs) But no, start with the art. Think about the art. (laughs) Okay, okay. So first row wrote it, (laughs) then emailed it to me. And then I was like, oh shit. (laughs) So, so like I said in the beginning, I I started Scarlet Ranger as a fan. I before I really even knew Ro through like the indie community or anything like that, I had backed the Kickstarter. I'm not even 100% sure how I found Scarlet Ranger to be totally honest. I think just creeping around in right. the like Facebook groups and that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, this looks this looks amazing. I think there was like a motorcycle scene that I was really drawn to because my husband like rides motorcycles and I did when I was younger. So I was like, fuck yeah, like let's do this. <laughs> um, so once we got to the point where Ro and I knew each other and he asked me to do Scarlet Ranger 2, I was both excited and terrified to take on the project. (laughs) Terrified because this was a story that I had fallen in love with in the first issue, not just for the writing, but also I'm, I'm a huge fan of Koi and Sai as well. I thought that 
the way that they handled the aesthetic of Scarlet Ranger one really suited the first installation of the story. And so it was really important to me moving forward that I maintain some of the foundation that they had laid visually for, for Dan's character, for the way the Royal City looked, the color palette that they were using. Um, so as I've drawn the story, I've found myself referencing the first book a lot. Like it is now worn out to the point I probably need a new copy. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> yes, I've I've written notes like in the margins. I've got sticky notes all in it, like just making tweaks here and there of the way that I sort of envisioned the story as it was unfolding when I read it the first time and the way that my mind took what Koi had laid down and expanded on that. Because in Scarlet Ranger 2, we actually moved to locations outside of the Royal City, no spoilers, but <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of visual research that I had to put in to understand the sci-fi elements, to understand the sort of cybernetic um, technology that we were using. And that was really exciting for me. It made me feel like I was a part of the world building process, which, isn't something that I get to experience a lot as an artist in this industry. Usually authors have a very, a very well fleshed out, very uh, true to their vision, art direction style. And Roe is just like, you do it. Like I'll check in on you, like whenever stuff is like getting done and we'll, we'll just make sure we like it and move on. And so mm. I've been given so much creative freedom that it's been really creatively like fulfilling for me to be working on it. Uh -huh. yeah, I think, I think for me, you know, as a writer, um, I, I want the artists that I'm working with to be invested and passionate about the story the same way that I am. And I think the best way of doing that is to say, hey, this is not just my vision. This is yeah. also your vision, you know? And so I put down in the script, you know, I write, I try to write the things that I think are important, you know, certain colors or certain, you know, certain angles, I may do that. But for the most part, if I don't specify what's happening, um, you know, I want the artists to be able to bring their vision and Kayla has such an amazing vision and um, there's a detail that she brings, you know, to the pages. Um, that's, that's absolutely amazing. And I think that makes the project better because it's, you know, it's not just about me, you know what I'm saying? It's also about, um, you know, my collaborator and my partner, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, and so it's been a, it's been a great um, process. You know, I remember after, Kayla finished the first, I guess, maybe five pages. I don't know if she was even finished with the five pages, but we had yeah. a meeting and yeah. she went through page by page and she asked me, <laughs> you know, what do you think about this? You know, do you have a vision for this? And I'm like, well, I mean, I do sort of, she's like, oh, I got it. I can do it. I can do it. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. You know, um, and, and there were things where I was like, well, I see it like this. And she was like, cool, we could do that. You know, and then there were other things where I was like, ah, I don't really know. And she was like, all right, cool. There were places in the script where I actually said, I don't know how we're going to do this. Yes, but yes. <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. You let me know if we could do something like this. And um, I just think it's great just being able to work, you know, and 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 um, as a, work as a team, you know what I'm saying, on a project like this. You know what I'm saying? So I guess with everything that you've learned with this project and maybe with other projects through your whole journey as an, as an artist, as an illustrator, as a writer, his creatives in general, what advice would you offer to other creators you wish someone would have told you when you first started? So it can be, um, Ro, it can be on this Kickstarter. Kayla, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Kickstarter. So like yeah. any advice that you would give to anybody else, or it can be, you know, the working on this project, working with other projects, just anything that you wish someone would have told you when you first started in your, I guess your creative career. Yeah. I'm gonna let you start on that one, yeah. I got you. I got you. I think, uh, I think for me, um, it's, it's really two things. It's start now and start small. I think when you're first getting started, you think that you have to do, you know, the 100 page, you know, graphic novel, you have to do the, you know, the, the super huge novel, the, the 10 part novel or whatever, like 
No, you don't have to do that. You can start with short stories. You know what I'm saying? The first comic book um, project that I did, it was, um, it was like 10 pages, right? And that just gave me the ability to say, okay, I'm learning the craft, one. Two, it's cheaper. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm, I'm paying my artists, so I'm not paying, you know, all this money to try to do, like, I'm learning. It's just, it's just a process, you know? Um, and I think the other thing, that's the starting small part, but the other thing is starting now, like not waiting, you know, you can get caught in the trap of, of, well, I'll do it. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. I'll do it next year. And time just goes by and you never do it, you know? Um, and so I just say, start now. If you have a, a passion, you have an idea, you want to do something, start right now. What's the smallest step that you can take towards that, that goal or that vision and do that smallest thing, do it right now. And I think that if you do that every day, that builds a creative momentum that really will help you finish what you start. Yeah, I think I think that's such good advice. I, I love that that's something that we we keep like revisiting in all of the media appearances that, yeah. that we're doing. This concept of like, look, especially for creators who are new to the industry and they are seeing people and partnerships like you and I where we have developed this kind of what I would consider very successful collaborative partnership. We, we have worked together to bring this product that we're really excited about, this story to life and bringing it to people, but neither one of us started that way. You know, like we had to take the steps, we had to pay our dues, we had to take the baby steps to get to the point where you and I could actually have this type of partnership. And if you're somebody who's new to indie comics as a writer or as an artist, my first piece of advice is always cultivate those relationships with the respect that you would expect for yourself you know, this is a professional industry, approach it as a professional, and you will automatically have professionalism returned to you. The biggest complaint that I hear about people who are new is they have a hard time finding people to work with. They have a hard time finding artists. They don't really know what to do with their content once they have it. If you put the effort in and you put the work in yourself as the project manager as the creator to figure out step by step how to make this a successful venture then it will happen and it may happen over a longer period of time because you have to figure out funding you have to figure out how to reach out to distributors you may have to figure out how to set up a kickstarter like your vision doesn't come to life overnight Right. Patience is so key in this industry right. and and making sure that you're cultivating relationships with artists and with writers will make two to three years down the road from your first project so much smoother than yeah. Yeah. than it's starting out, you know, so and I think too something that's really important for people who are starting out or who need to hear it now value your work make sure that if you are an artist, you are asking for what you're worth, because I can tell you from experience, somebody will recognize it and they will acknowledge it and pay it and respect it. And that will be the beginnings of a successful relationship that you can carry forward. And same with authors. If you're an author trying to work with an artist who doesn't wanna listen to your vision about your story, they don't want to reciprocate the respect that you've shown them by, by paying them for their services, then you should know that you need to readjust, find another artist who will do that for you, who will reciprocate that, who will listen to you. And that's how those relationships like move forward and are, and, and are successful. But also, also when you say cultivating relationships, I think yeah. too, um, cultivate relationships like real relationships that aren't based on yes. just work you know what I'm saying like yes. I, I try to build relationships and friendships with people obviously I would like to work with people but 
even if I never work with those people, I still want to build those relationships. You know what I'm saying? I still want to want to be a genuinely kind person. I want to operate that way um, yeah. because I think I think that gets paid back to you. Um, yeah. In, in the end, you know what I'm saying? Especially in the indie space where like the magic of indie comics and indie makers is that it is a community. And if you feed into that community, that community like feeds you. It's a symbiotic relationship. And I think also, also you have to understand too that you might have some bad experiences, but that doesn't mean that the entire community is off limits to you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So you, yeah. you said earlier, you've heard, you know, it's hard to find artists and yeah. you know, authors are, you know, untrustworthy. You have all these things that happen. It's like, okay, that may have been your experience with that person or that person, but that's not every person. So a part of the journey is finding your people, finding your community. You know, for so long, I wanted to be a part of a team. I wanted to be on somebody's like, you know, label or whatever. I'm like, sign me, sign me, I'll write for you. I'll do this for you, I'll do that. And it just never worked. And I said, you know yeah. what, I'm gonna just do my own thing. And I started yeah. doing Scar Ranger. And now I'm on a team with Kayla Rainey and we're working together and we're collaborating. I'm like, that's crazy. I just had to find my people. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, um, yeah. Yeah. So with everything that you both mentioned about cultivating relationships and networking and, you know, actually doing the work, you know, starting now, starting small. And then I feel like at the same time, I think people kind of underestimate what goes into when you create something, especially from the, from, you know, from the ground up or even maybe coming in late into a project and having to kind of examine what they did before and then try to not recreate it, but, you know, put your own spin on it, but it has to kind of make sense at the same time. And then that's just the work itself. And then the people that's not even including, you know, family, friends, you might have be working a full-time job or another part-time job, you know, household you know, duties, pets, you know, bills and whatever else. So throughout, I guess, maybe not just this Kickstarter um, or this project itself, it may be just throughout both of you guys' careers. Like, does it ever get overwhelming for all of you? And like, how how do you typically manage your mental well-being throughout all of it? This, this is a Kayla Rainey question right here. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> you're the one with four kids. <laughs> that, hey, that's true. And a dog. Yes. <laughs> Your life is crazier than mine will ever be. <laughs> but the reason why I said this is a Kayla Rainey question, though, is because she has all the systems. She has all the she has all the plans, right? I'm just like flying by the seat of my pants out here. Like, you know. Um, but no, I think... Um, so one of the things I always say, you know, we talk about balance sometimes, and um, I don't really believe in balance. What I believe in is being present in the moment that you're in. Um, and so, you know, there are times when I'm writing, right? So I have my writing times. I have my two to three hours, maybe four hours a day where I'm writing, and that's where I'm present at. And then when that's done, I got the kids, you know what I'm saying? If I got the kids, I'm not thinking about writing. I got the kids and we're, you know, doing house stuff. We're doing this, we're doing that. Okay, cool. And then if I'm not with the kids or I'm not writing, I'm probably with my wife. I'm with her. Okay, cool. I'm present there. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it's just about wherever you are, whatever you're doing in that moment, being able to be, again, be present in that moment and say, okay, I'm going to be fully here and I'm going to invest my full energy here because I know that when I'm done here, I'm moving to my next thing and I'm going to be fully present there. You know what I'm saying? And so that's how I sort of think about balancing family life and work life and and all those things, because it can be super overwhelming. And I don't always do this perfectly. I don't do this perfectly. This is the ideal way. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. You, you make it sound like I have my shit together and I definitely don't. (laughs) I just have systems that I hope work <laughs> or or that I I put to work as as best I can and I have yeah like I I have found ways to manage the pressure to manage the 
amount of hats that we have to juggle as creators, because it's true. A lot of people don't realize, you know, I'm not spending eight hours a day doing studio work. I'm spending time, like probably 60% of that time drawing. The other 40% is split between bookkeeping, networking, uh, making sure that I'm like paying myself, paying my business, running errands. Uh, Rose text messages. <laughs> yes, Rose text messages. That's about 20% of my day right there. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, like you have to be, you have to play so many roles as a creator. Just because I introduced myself as, hi, I'm Kaylee Rainey, I'm an illustrator. That means secretly I have five or six other jobs, like on top of that, that relate to just that one role of being an illustrator. And also, I don't just work on one project at a, at a time. That's not like financially viable for me. I have to work on a minimum of three to four projects. I'm usually juggling five to six because I have a problem saying no. <laughs> but the way that you navigate that is one, very particular to you as a creator. That's something that I really firmly believe you just figure out what works for you. And I have found that if I am maintaining my mental health, everything else kind of squeaks by. As long as I am being mindful of, oh, it's been six hours since I left my desk, I should probably go sit in the sunshine for a little while or like take my dogs for a walk or go play tennis for like an hour or two. Like, those are things that help me maintain a sense of normalcy and balance and compartmentalization, like bro, making sure that when I step away from my desk, I am present in whatever else I'm doing. I'm not bringing work with me to the dinner table. I'm not bringing work with me when I'm going and meeting a friend for coffee or something. Uh, making sure that I'm not bringing it out on the tennis courts, like very purposefully leave it in my office. Um, so yeah, yeah. And also too, like this is something that I learned the more work that I take on and the longer that I'm in the industry, there is no shame in outsourcing parts of your like studio workings. You know, I, I've been very fortunate that Ro and I have gotten to bring on a project manager, which really, sorry, you guys are going to hear my dogs. <laughs> They're not killing each other. Everybody They're okay? With the cat. <laughs> no, everybody's good. <laughs> sorry. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. I mean, you like outsourcing is something that I have found to be really valuable. And I don't know if a lot of creators talk about it. Like I outsource a a majority of my like yearly bookkeeping. I outsource certain aspects of like my social media management so that those are things taken off my plate so I can continue to focus on what I want to do, which is studio work. Yeah, I haven't really heard anybody talk about having a project manager or bookkeeping or have social media manager, anything like that. I think they kind yeah. of just, it's just I told whoever you. is I doing told it. You. And, yeah, I think it's, it's just, <laughs> I think it's just whoever's doing the project and then they delegate it to each other in a yeah. way. So it's like three or four people working on it. You do this, you do this, and you do that instead of them all focusing on the project and then outsourcing it to other people. It yeah. may be a financial thing. There may be a control thing. There may be something that they didn't even think that they could do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I didn't think that that was something I could do. I thought that, that was like financially out of reach for me, but the longer that I spend doing this, the more that I realize that there are ways to, to make that happen. And it, it alleviates so much of the stress that comes with trying to do 10 million and one things all by yourself. Um, whether that's, you know, trading, trading services, if that's, coming to some type of financial arrangement, like percentage wise, 
like there are ways to find solutions to that if if you put in the brain work to kind of figure out how to make it work and and not everybody needs it for their projects if they're comfortable being able to maintain all of those like jobs and hats at once that that's amazing like my my hats go off to those people but I as an artist like I put so much emotional and physical energy into just creating artwork it is very difficult for me to have my brain spread in all of those different ways so being able to hand off a task to somebody else whose job is just to handle that task is like one of the only ways that I can like make my my like studio practice work but so so I think the hard part though the hard part is the is there's like a delineation or we want to make a delineation between the artist and the business person. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, I tried to start some businesses like earlier on in my life or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to own a business. I just want to be an artist, right? Yeah, I yeah. I want to be an author. So now I'm writing, I'm doing this stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm having a great time. So now it's time to start putting my stuff into the world. And it's like, oh, but, oh, I'm actually running a business. I yes, am a, yes. I'm running a business. And yes. so- I have like this block in my head where it's like, okay, if I start doing all of this, this good business stuff, will that take away from like my artist stuff, right? Yeah. So it's like, I want to continue yeah. to be like this artist, free flowing, like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on. The other day, um, Kayla asked me about something and she said, yeah, so, you know, when you do your bookkeeping, and I'm like, when I do my bookkeeping, <laughs> what are we talking You're about? Like, I have to, I have to pay this? like what? what? Keeping books? What? But that's stuff that I have to really, yeah. I have to start getting into the to the habit and the zone of like, okay, this is not just fun stuff anymore. Now it's yeah. it's fun, but it's you in order for it to continue to be fun, you got to do your business stuff, you know. Um, and that, like we're talking about, is knowing what needs to be outsourced and knowing, you know, all of those type of things so that you're running a a a smooth and and um, effective efficient business you know what I mean yeah I think that that's something that you know it's hard for people to wrap their brains around it because it was hard for me to wrap my brain around it until I actually was like okay I'm gonna be a freelance illustrator I'm not gonna work for a studio I'm not gonna work with an agent I'm not gonna do these things and coming from a like gallery background where I always kind of had at least to some extent some sort of some sort of structure, somebody else's structure that I was working under to suddenly be like, oh, oh, I have to, I have to do that my, myself now. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I can't like pay my electric bill. <laughs> you know, like It comes down to like, this is my livelihood. So whether you want your art practice to be a business or not, it becomes a business and you have to very quickly realize and figure out, well, like what works for me, what works for the way that I have my, my life structured. And for me, it just happens to be like a very regimented, like business model. Mm -hmm. And it, and it allows me to make a living. I don't have to work any other jobs other than just being an illustrator by by doing that, which was which was my goal. But that's not everybody's goal, and that's certainly not everybody's position in like the indie creator sphere. But uh-huh. but even even it's not even just about money or making a living. Like yeah, other people are running businesses, and they will take advantage of you yes. if you don't yes. understand what you're getting into. Yes, you know Absolutely. I've already been in situations where. I didn't understand the business. Right. It put me in a place where I had to make some really tough decisions and I had to have some really tough conversations yeah. and potentially lose out on, on an opportunity because I didn't approach it with the right business sense or the right business savvy. And so yeah. it's not just about the money. It's also about being able to operate in, in, the, in this world, in this field efficiently. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So- my last question for the both of you is what is your idea of success? So I asked that, um, I asked, I asked that because as 
creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on a back burner or give them up altogether because this career path can be highly intimidating and competitive. So what is your idea of quote-unquote success? Now, Ro, I don't know if your answer changed. Did, I think I asked you this question last time, right? I'm not sure. Yeah, you, But I you think can answer it again. I don't I'm, know if it changed. Yeah, I'm oh, trying right. to remember what I said, but I think it's different <laughs> now. I think it's different now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was wondering, like, did it change? Because I, yeah. when I started asking those questions, um, another person had told me, his name is Patrick Lugo, and he was like, success can be fluid. It can change. So that's why I was wondering, like, you know, I think you're maybe the second person I've had for the second time. So that's why I wanted to ask again, like, did, did your answer change? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't remember what I said, but <laughs> I, I do know this. So when we when we finished funding issue one, we got it all printed up and we got it. I was able to get the book into four different stores here in Atlanta. And we sold out in all the stores here. And um, so that's cool, right? I was like, oh, this is great. But the last store that we sold out in, the owner of the store sent me a picture of the last of my books coming off the shelf. And it was a dad standing behind his son and his son was holding the the book holding the book in his hand and I was like oh this is success Uh like it's not it's not that I sold out of the books but it's that a father because the the story is about fatherhood that's really what this story is about Mm -hmm. and so being able to see a father and his son in the comic book store holding my book that was success to me. And so it's, it's always about connection, me connecting with people and people connecting with themselves. Um, and when, when I can do that, when I can, you know, impact people through what I've written, that, that is success. That's successful. Yeah. I think, I think this is something that Ro and I align so much on, and I, it may be a big reason why our collaborations work so well together, because I, I think our ideas of success and how they are separate from from financial success uh, are really similar you know it's like you said success is fluid and it can depend on what aspect of my creative practice you're talking about me as the business person of course I'm going to say well success is in numbers success is in you know what my quarterly like reports look like but that's not as important to me as what is is fulfilling me as an artist what is like what is reminding me of the reason that I I became a full-time artist in this industry to begin Mm -hmm. with and it is moments like those knowing that I have had a hand in being a part of this story and this craft that has touched people's lives that has impacted people and has given them something to relate to because that's my experience as as a reader as as somebody who consumes comics and media the magic of feeling solidarity or feeling like I can escape into the magic of a world or feeling comforted by it, by it or challenged by it. Like those are all so important to this idea of, did I successfully execute this story? Did I successfully bring yeah. my, what I have to give, which is artwork to this medium? Mm-hmm. Uh, And so I think if I'm maintaining my ideologies, like these are the stories that I believe in, I want them to lift up the communities that I'm a part of. I want them to give a sense of belonging to children, teens, adults. I want them to impact people in a certain way if I'm upholding those sort of like pillars of belief within my art practice, that's a version of success. 
And I think that that's separate from money because I can say like confidently, I have turned down jobs that would have just given me money and not creative fulfillment, or they didn't align with like my belief system in -hmm. what I wanted to be a part of as an artist. You know, it was like a, I could do that, but I don't want to, and I don't believe in it. So it becomes a secondary part of, of like that idea of success for an artist. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, because Ro and I have that in, in uh, because Ro and I are similar in that way, I think that's why like, it is so easy for me to be so passionate about Ro's stories because I see all of the things that I personally believe in and believe should be in people's hands in his work. Uh-huh. Because, yeah. because the, the, the last thing I would say too is money, Money is just, in, in my opinion, at least, money just means we can keep doing it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, it's just a door money. opener. It's, right, that's right. really what it is. Money right. just opens the doors. Like we were talking about the other night, like money opens the doors to like our relationship. Money opens the doors to distribution, to getting getting the product into more people's hands. Like to paying my power bill so I have the light to like uh-huh. continue drawing yeah so yeah on the topic of money in a row i hope you don't mind we get off of scarlet ranger for a second and i wanted to ask you kayla specifically as an uh as an illustrator as a freelance illustrator how do you or how did you come to the point of justifying the prices that you give Mm -hmm. for your artwork Mm -hmm. because you know as artists we kind of struggle with like how much do i charge especially like in the beginning before i work and like we always see our work as bad, even though we have progressed as a yeah. as we continue on doing it. And, you know, as we progress, the price should increase as well. But how did right. you come to the point of justifying the price for your work and quoting people when they come to you with inquiries? So, so I'll be honest, I think I had a really big advantage when I came into the comic industry. I come from the tattoo industry mm-hmm. and I was taught kind of a loose formula almost for for how to price artwork that we were putting on people's skin. And it, it happens to translate really well to the rest of the art world, which is like you're kind of multiplying hours and supplies and the labor and the amount of time that it's taken to learn that craft. And you sort of end up with a ballpark like number mm-hmm. in that. So I came to this industry with a lot of experience in that way. But the at the end of the day, I still struggle with justifying how mm-hmm. much I charge. You know, it's a constant battle. Every time I send somebody my price quote, I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's like a pause, like, am I, am I good enough to be asking for this? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I am. And I think that that's, that's part of the challenges that come with being an artist, because especially if you are somebody who is selling your creative services in this industry, you know, that you are constantly questioned. It's not always an internal, you know, dialogue that's, Mm -hmm. that's bringing about the doubt. It's, clients will always ask you well why is it like that can you go any lower Mm -hmm. can you give me a deal uh I'll trade you this instead of paying this full rate so it's it's really hard to maintain and like hold your ground like no no this is my page rate this is like or this is you know my project rate this is what I want for this and I believe that I'm worth it and I think that it's just taken me time just time to have the confidence of like, look, I can show you consistently that I can do this work for what I'm asking. And oftentimes I think that I give more than, than I am being paid for. Mm -hmm. And it it creates a system of like faith based Mm -hmm. (laughs) payment where it's like, well, I know you're going to go above and beyond. So this page rate that I'm paying you seems like, okay. Um, 
which may or may not be the best way to go about it. But I think being able to explain and articulate too, like, hey, you're not just paying for my artwork, you're paying for my supplies, you're paying for my time, you're paying for room in my studio schedule, you're paying for the years and years that I have spent getting to the point where I can do this for you. Mm-hmm. And for me too, like you also pay for my communication skills. I'm somebody that is very professional when it comes to my practice. Like, do you want somebody who's going to respond in a timely manner to you concisely and lay out like, hey, this is how this works for us? Or do you want somebody who's going to say, yeah, okay. And then you don't hear from them for three weeks and you text them and you're like, hey, can I get like an update on the art? And you're like, oh, actually, uh, give me like another week. And you're like, okay. <laughs> you know, like there's there's a certain amount of like professionalism and experience and, and like communication that you're paying for when it comes to that too. Um, so I don't like to think of it in terms of like justifying. I, I feel like I shouldn't have to justify, but I understand why I do. Um, I think it is, it's more about having confidence in yourself, even if you struggle every day. It's like, am I, am I actually worth the amount? Especially when you spend a lot of time like looking at other comic artists and saying like, holy shit, like they're so good and they charge like, you know, $50 less a page than I do. You don't know the circumstances around that. That person may not rely on comics to pay their bills. That person may live in a country where a hundred dollar page rate feeds their family for three weeks. You know, like there's so many other factors that go into it. Um, so yeah, just not comparing yourself, believing in yourself and what you have to offer, and the idea that if you are raising your rates, it's because you deserve it. You've built, you've built the experience, you've built the networking. And I think people are always surprised. I know I am every time I like throw out a new page rate and somebody's like, yeah, okay, I'll pay that. Okay, great. I guess this is what I charge now. (laughs) Yeah. And if I could piggyback on that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something that she said that was key was understanding what you're paying for. I don't think people understand what they're paying for. I follow a writer who said, somebody asked her to write a blog. I think it was like, maybe like a 300 word blog. And she gave her price and he was like, that you're only writing 300 words. And he was like, it's probably going to take you like 30 minutes. And she was like, yeah. And he was like, I don't want to pay that for 30 minutes. And she said, but you're not paying for my time. You're paying for the years and the years that I've put in to be able to write this for you in 30 minutes because if anybody could just write this in 30 minutes you could write this in 30 minutes exactly and so I think I think it's key to understand like if you've put in the work to get to a certain place people not they're not just paying for the the and that's the thing about art it's not just the product that's being put in front of you it's all the things that go into creating that product and you know the the real the master's they make it look easy. They make it yeah. look simple. Yeah. So yeah, you, you know, you could draw that, you could do that, you write that in, in 10 minutes. But that that's because of all the practice and all the hours of, of mastery that you've put into it. So that now, yeah, it's second nature to be able to do this. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's so key to understand, to mm-hmm. understand what's actually being paid for. Yeah, I used to charge people because I learned in school when I did graphic design, a professor said it was like charged by the minute. So I would do like 50 cents a minute or something like that. Right. But then I learned um, there was a guy that said something. He said, um, stop charging for your time because mm-hmm. um, they're not paying you for your time. They're paying you for your solutions. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that writer, yes. you about, well, she was providing that man with a, a communication solution that you yeah. mentioned yeah. as well. And like you said, you have the, you have these skills that you've, accumulated that you've earned my dog is barking now <laughs> uh, that you've learned and accumulated over the years and you know how to solve these problems that you know a company or a client has had issues with and you can solve like that 
that's what they're paying for. They're paying your, for your solutions and your services. They're not paying you for your time. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Kind of how I look at it now. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what? Oh, no, you go ahead, Kayla. Oh, I, I was just going to mention too, like, you know, following up with like being able to provide solutions. It's also about the relationship that you offer as well. You know, like, I think that's something that Ro and I talk about this a lot. I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that I have cultivated clients that once I've worked with them on at least one major project, we generally work together for years and, and we build a long lasting relationship because like, Hey, you want me to like promote this project that we worked on? Absolutely. You want me to like help spread the word, do the networking, like assist on the Kickstarter. Absolutely. Like it is because I have found clients who respect what I ask for as a professional and and I offer the same respect back to them that I have been able to build a, a sustainable business model of these people that will like pay me what I'm worth and and I think it's important for new artists in the industry who who aren't really sure or feel like I don't know how I'm ever going to get like a regular client list you just you just keep you just keep working and you will find those people and you'll build this really solid foundation of people that are, are there for you. And, and word of mouth is how like I was able to get to where I am now, like never underestimate the value of word of mouth. Uh huh. Yeah. So Okay, back to Scarlet Ranger. Um, <laughs> is there anything else that all of you want to touch on about it, like as the Kickstarter or maybe upcoming issues or wherever it may be that I may have missed? No, I mean, yeah, just check out the Kickstarter. We are a little we're over eighty percent funded. Eighty nine percent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're uh we're moving along. We're moving along. It's so yeah. close. <laughs> yeah, 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 check out the Kickstarter. We got um, that last like three hundred bucks. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So once we uh once we hit that goal, then we'll have some stretch goals that we will announce. Yes. Um so yeah, definitely check that out. And um I'm just excited about you know the future of of Scarlet Ranger and working with Kayla and yeah, I'm just excited about it. So check it out and please back, please support. And uh because I can't I can't wait. I'm serious, I cannot wait to get this book into I can't wait to get it in my hands, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, uh, I can't wait to get it in your hands as well. So yeah, uh -huh. for sure uh ro are you going to be doing any conventions this year yo that's a you know what hey, so hey, hey. that's a good question so i was gonna wait to do con actually <laughs> i don't think i've talked to kayla about this yet uh, i don't think you have last i knew we were waiting <laughs> so i i went to a con to meet some indie creators and i was talking to a guy uh, Michael Watson from FSK. Um, I forget what FSK stand for. But anyway, I was talking to him and he said, bro, you doing cons? What's up? And I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm waiting until I get some more material. You know, I'm doing some planning. You know, he said, man, get a table, man. You got to get a table. He was like, your book is dope. You got to get out here. So I've had some people send me some cons and things that's happening later this year. So that's a long winded way of saying I'm going to try and sneak in somewhere. Um, again, I hadn't talked to Kayla about this yet, um, but when I found something, I was going to talk to her about it. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, I asked because like Blurcon, you're not going to be able to get into there because I've tried. Thank you. And Thank you. from what I've been told, you kind of have to already be in already to yeah, get in yeah. there for the next year. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then Baltimore Comic Con, I don't know if you want to travel up here, either one of you. But they're accepting people for tables. It's a hundred dollars a day. Um, I'm trying to see if I can get in there for a table for my stuff. Um, anything else? Um, I don't know. I think all the summer stuff is probably already booked. You may have to look until fall um, yeah. cons, maybe. So somebody, yeah. So somebody sent me something that's happened in Alabama in July. They actually have uh -huh. some tables open. Um, oh, okay. Called Urban. I think it's called like Urban Nerd something. Um, I have to look it up. Anyway, there there are there's like some f like few and far between things that's happening like later this summer. But like you said, most of the stuff that I saw, I was looking like fall, maybe like winter 
Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah I, I would like to, I would like to try to do a con and do something. I need to do something just to start getting out and meeting people and, and showing my face and, you know, trying to get my book into people's hands. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, can, can we reveal that we're for sure for next year? Oh like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Okay. I didn't want to spoil anything. Yes. No. 2023. Yeah. I think, you know, Ro, Ro and I are definitely going to be looking at tabling. So I'm, I'm Florida based and there's a ton of like major cons right around Orlando, which is where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and row, it's only like, it's a pretty quick, like hop and skip from Atlanta to, to Orlando. I think it's only like a 30 minute flight or something. So because of the proximity that we're in, I think there's at least three or four bigger cons that, that we're definitely going to try and be in next yeah. year. Yeah. And I think some micro cons in this area too were something that we we've been kind of side eyeing. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So definitely, definitely uh, 2023. <laughs> oh, 2023. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. been like looking to see if you're doing anything. And again, I'm like I said, I'll try to be at Baltimore Comic Con. I'll put it up on my stuff as well. So, if, you know, if you're thinking of going coming or anything like that, I'll definitely be there just to let you both know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. pretty much it because I don't think they're doing the. Baltimore Book Fest this year. But yeah, I try to see if I can get just to do one, just to get the experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know that I will for sure, like 95% sure, be at the New York City Comic Con uh-huh. next year. Um, and possibly in Virginia next year as well, which I know is pretty close to Baltimore. So that would be, that would be an easy jump yeah. from you so as you, well. go, you going without me you going without me? <laughs> leg <laughs> no that's great though that's great you are obviously invited it has not been discussed yet <laughs> <laughs> all right um, well uh well again i uh want to thank the creator and writer of the scarlet ranger comic series roe lamb alongside the comics illustrator kayla rainey for joining us here today to promote scarlet ranger inheritance part two currently on kickstarter i highly recommend our listeners to give the kickstarter a look share and back if they can all of rose and kayla's socials will be listed in this episode's details for those who are interested alongside the kickstarter link Again, I am K.S. Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdbook Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.